In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Lord, send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. Lord, by the light of the Holy Spirit, you have taught the hearts of your faithful. In the same Spirit, help us to relish what is right and always rejoice in his consolation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And I, I like to crown Mary the queen of everything I do. So in honor of her spouse, St. Joseph, will crown Mary too, the queen of our time here together as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the title this morning is Crossing the Chicken Line. It's a, a word of encouragement that we got in our Encounter Ministries school. If you don't know anything about Encounter Ministries, does anyone... Well, anyway, so it's headquartered out of Brighton, uh, so it's the Lansing Diocese. Father Matthias Stalin and company, a uh, good friend of his, Patrick Rice, a layman, uh, launched it back in 2018. And so they do different events, but then they have this two-year school of ministry. So you go once a week for two years following a typical school calendar. And I just finished in May of this year. So it was a great experience for me. I had been to their conferences since 2018 and then finally enrolled in the school. I did feel called to pursue a healing ministry. I really was drawn to the inner healing work that they promote, that they teach, that I had already dabbled in myself before coming to Michigan. So inner healing, uh, we can ask questions about that later. But that's really more focused on the emotional, spiritual, psychological healing. But they also encourage to pray for physical healing. And I never really saw myself praying for physical healing. Didn't really think I had the gift. But I would say uh, after year one of the school, I got invited to travel with Father Patrick Gagno, if you know who he is. He's been here in the Archdiocese. He's actually going to discern a call to religious life, if you haven't heard that, with the missionaries of the precious blood. But he's a wonderful priest, full of joy and zeal for the Lord. So he and I go down to Louisiana together for a, essentially a 24-hour school of healing, they call it. You start Friday night with a, a, a lecture, a conference on baptism in the Spirit, an impartation of gifts, and then we actually pray for that. Of course, everyone goes home, you go to bed, you come back the next day to the parish, and then throughout Saturday, there's another four conferences and, and uh, workshops, and then it culminates in a healing service on Saturday night. Well, when Father Patrick um, scheduled you know, this event or committed to it, he didn't realize that it was Corpus Christi weekend here in Detroit, and he's the pastor of Corpus Christi in Detroit. <laughs> he's like, hey, uh, Father Jason, I hate to do this to you, but uh, I need to leave Saturday <laughs> afternoon, so you got to run the healing service Saturday night. Are you good with that? I said, well, I guess, yeah, we're going to have to be good with it. There's really no other option. So it was baptism by fire, and I had never done something like that before, but... Uh, People were getting healed because we do a lot of prayer right from the, 
you know, right from the pulpit, so to speak. So you're not even, I'm not, as the leader, laying hands on people, but just praying for corporate prayer, for healing over the entire church, and then leading people around the people asking for prayer, how to pray for that person for healing. But it, it worked, right? I mean, the Holy Spirit showed up and people were getting healed that night. So that really uh, was a boost, you might say. I had to cross the chicken line that night. And then uh, at the semester break, they had their annual conference in Grand Rapids. And this gentleman, Damien Stain, a Catholic layman from, from England, came and he's got a big anointing on his life for healing. And I just was standing there in my seat, watching him pray over people and watching all kinds of people get healed. And in my mind's eye, I went like this. I just said, I want to see more of that in my priesthood. And I think God answered that prayer. I know he answered that prayer. Because since the beginning of this calendar year, it seems like, you know, more and more as I pray for healing, people are getting healed. So I, I see that as God observing how I'm stewarding the gift. And there's always more, we say. There's always more. So there's more power to be shared. There's more gifts to be given. There's more healing to be had. And so that's really what I wanted to communicate here today. I think, uh, so I was a priest for 17 years. I joined religious life, as you heard, 29 years ago. And I can honestly tell you that my faith has gone to a whole new level in the last two. So why do I share that? Because it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, a Catholic. It doesn't matter how long you've been a priest. There's always more to learn and there's always more to experience. John mentioned that I played small college football. I can still hear my, my uh, coach at the beginning. We would run you know, wind sprints at the beginning of practice. I hated that. And he would be there on his whistle, get out of the comfort zone, get out of the comfort zone, you know, blowing on his whistle. And, but in, on some level, right, God is always challenging us to get out of the comfort zone. By nature, we tend to settle in. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable right here, you know, being a Catholic here. I'm, I'm happy to stand up for this or stand up for that. But to pray for healing for people, I don't know, that's kind of weird, you know? Those charismaniacs over there, you know? <laughs> I'm not like them. So, I mean, I, I had all those thoughts, right? And you've obviously all had them too, because you're laughing. So, <laughs> and it's true, right? We've seen charismaniacs and they can be, you know, we have a saying at Encounter School, don't be weird. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Because we've seen weird people in church before. Like, hey, there's that church lady. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Whoa. Right? Or the person that comes up to you with the latest, greatest devotion. Hey, have you heard of this devotion? Oh, you got to do this. You know, it's like, hey, I'm good. Thanks. Like a used car salesman all over you, you know? So it's not that, right? It's not that. But it is rather a way of life. It really is a way of life. And again, I don't know that we've really appreciated what we've already got. Father Patrick likes to say this, so I'm going I'm to copy Father Patrick. Hold out your right hand like this. Just look at it. Actually, you can hold both hands up. Hold both hands up. Look at your hands and repeat after me. These things are loaded. 
<laughs> so, by virtue of the fact that you've been baptized, everyone here been baptized, I assume, right? So, we have all received the same anointing that Jesus himself received in his humanity. Dr. Mary Healy really helped me appreciate this more. She's involved. If you know who Dr. Mary Healy is, she teaches at Sacred Heart Major Seminary here in Detroit. She's amazing. She herself has had a, a real conversion of sorts. Of course, she's very academic, a brilliant uh, scripture scholar. Pope Benedict even invited her to be on his International Biblical Commission. I don't remember what year that was, but so it just, just goes to show that she's not a lightweight, right? I mean, she's... She's got some real uh, intellectual, spiritual insight. But then she was inspired uh, during a sabbatical that she got to take several years ago. I think it was 2013 or 14. To follow a, a Protestant, Randy Clark, who was involved in the Toronto Blessing, a great outpouring of the Spirit happened in Toronto in 1994. Really interesting stuff. And, and Randy received a great gift at that time for healing. And so he has traveled the world now preaching the gospel and leading healing services. Dr. Mary Healy wanted to follow him because he has a great respect for Catholics. Um, of course, we don't share the, the same theology and everything, especially when it comes to the sacraments. But he's very respectful of Catholics. And um, Dr. Mary Healy followed him to Brazil for a while and just... Had, it blew her mind. You know, we have that expression, right? God blew her mind. And she's already got a brilliant mind. But her mind was blown by what she saw. And you know how the saying goes, you can't not see what you saw, right? You can't not see what you saw. So nobody could tell her, no, 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 no. I saw it. I saw it. You know, I saw metal plates disappear. I saw people's legs grow. I, I saw, you know, people grow limbs or body parts that didn't have bo the body part, you know, creative miracles, you know? Yes, that really happens. <laughs> it happened, uh, the two I know of more like recently. So Encounter went to Mexico. Now they're expanding uh, this past year and they went to the Legionaries University in Mexico City. It's called the Anahuac. And a bunch of legionaries and Regnum Christi members are involved in starting a satellite campus in Mexico City. So they had a healing service during Patrick, and they, they intentionally had Patrick Rice, a layman, stand up to lead the corporate prayer for healing. Because uh, if you think clericalism is bad here in the States, it's even worse in Mexico. So they wanted to show that lay people can pray for healing too. You don't have to be a priest. So Patrick's up there you know, letting it rip for, you know, praying for healing. And there was a little girl there, 10, 11 years old, who was in attendance with her mom. The girl was born without a thyroid gland. She grew a thyroid gland. She grew a thyroid gland and it works. <laughs> it's now been medically uh, verified. And then another woman there was deaf because she didn't, uh, whatever, what year, I don't remember, what year it was, I don't remember, but she didn't have an eardrum. She didn't have the bone, the eardrum bone. She grew an eardrum, and now she hears. So a creative miracle, yes. <laughs> These things actually happen. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I would say my most dramatic healing that I've had 
I mean, the one that stands out, it happened over the phone. It's with my mom's friend, Donna, who battled cancer. She had sarcoma. If you know sarcoma, it's very aggressive. It had eaten away. Like, it gets in, in, your, in your bones, and then they have to remove the bone. Otherwise, it, it can spread very quickly, is what I understand. And it got in her ribs. So she had ribs removed. She was in a lot of pain. We're just talking over the phone. She's telling me this. And I said, okay, well, on a scale of 1 to 10, what kind of pain are you in? She said, wow, it's like a 9. I said, oh, okay, mom didn't tell me that. So we pray. By the time we hang up, she's completely pain-free. A couple months later, she goes for her regular cancer checkup. Not a trace of cancer in her body. Isn't that awesome? That was earlier this year, probably February, March. She calls me maybe a month or so ago. She says, Father, the, the, the story just got better. She said, as, as you were praying with me, at the beginning, you encouraged me to just give my burdens to Jesus. Just lay my burdens down at the foot of the cross. And she said, the very first thing that came to my mind was my 27-year-old daughter who lives in Oregon. Okay, so Donna's in Connecticut. I'm in Detroit. Her daughter's in Oregon. And she said, yeah, she's not married yet, but we, we've known since she was a girl, uh, a teenager, that she had uh, ovary, uh, cysts on one of her ovaries. So that would make getting pregnant pretty difficult. Well, she just got back from her uh, checkup, and uh, the cysts are gone. So <laughs> it was a coast-to-coast -coast miracle over the phone. Isn't that awesome? And I wasn't even praying for the daughter, but Donna was praying for her daughter, and God honored that. Speedy, speedy justice, right, from today's gospel. Speedy justice. So I wanted to read a number from the Catechism, the new uh, Ascension Press Catechism. Uh, if you've followed Father Mike Schmitz at all, this is the one he uses in his podcast, Catechism in a Year. So this is number 654. This is the first part of the Catechism. If you've never read the Catechism, highly recommend it. It's not a book that you just sit down with and read cover to cover, but you can really pray with it. It's, it's divided up into four major sections, and then it's got numbered paragraphs. So you can literally just take it, take it paragraph by paragraph and meditate on, on what's here. So this is number 654 on the resurrection. The Paschal Mystery has two aspects. By his death, Christ liberates us from sin. By his resurrection, he opens for us the way to a new life. Folk emphasis on new. This new life is above all justification that reinstates us in God's grace so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Emphasis there, right? That's, uh, uh, that's from Romans 6.4 and uh, Romans 4.25. So, so that we too might walk in newness of life. This is going to be my point. Justification consists in both victory over the death caused by sin and a new participation in grace. It brings about filial adoption so that men become Christ's brethren as Jesus himself called his disciples after his resurrection. Go and tell my brethren. We are brethren not by nature, but by the gift of grace. 
because that adoptive filiation gains us a real share in the life of the only son, which was fully revealed in his resurrection. So that's, what's the point here? The point is, I think we all believe Jesus rose from the dead, but we forget that he rose with a different body. It was a glorified body that could walk through walls, right? But that was full of the spirit. He was now fully, you might say, you know, and not that he wasn't earlier, but it's just a new kind of life. It's life in the spirit, but also incarnated in the body. So the, what's the consequence of that? The consequence is that we, although are here in the world and we have a nature, we have a body and we have our human nature that still has fallen. On the one hand, it's broken. We still have to wrestle with the effects of original sin. They call that concupiscence. If you've ever heard that word before, the theologians call that consequence of original sin that we still wrestle with every morning when the alarm clock goes off and we reach for the snooze button, right? We call that concupiscence, right? Or scantily clad woman walks by, you know, even in the communion line, like, whoa, what is that? You know, it's like, oh, okay. Right? Like, concupiscence. So we still have to wrestle with that, the side of heaven, but, but we've already received the first installment of our inheritance, as Paul would put it. So we've already received the Holy Spirit. And just as Jesus was baptized by his cousin John in the Jordan, in his human nature, he needed to receive that anointing from on high. Remember, that's what Christ means, the anointed one. So we call ourselves Christians, right? Why? Because we've been anointed with the same anointing that Jesus Christ himself received from the Father in the Jordan. So in his human nature, he needed to receive that because he literally emptied himself, so to speak, of his divinity. So he was still God, but in, in taking on human nature, he wanted to depend on the Father and the Holy Spirit to live a supernatural lifestyle as the Messiah. Yeah, that might be, you got to think about that one, right? Yeah, when I first heard Dr. Mary Healy talk about that, I was like, really? Okay, I never really thought of it that way, but yeah, all right. Makes sense. So then, for us, that means that as we receive that anointing at baptism, we are literally introduced into a new reality. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but you know, people talk about a new world order. Well, I like to say that Jesus is the founder of the new world order, and it's the order of grace. (laughs) The order of grace. And what is grace? Very simply, I like to say to people, it's God's power and presence. It's his love, but it's that which is communicated, right? So the Holy, it's the Holy Spirit, you could say too, on some level, but it's, it's not exactly that because although we participate in the divine nature, we are not God, but we are now sons of God by adoption in the order of grace. So what they are by nature, God is by nature, God, divine, right? Supernatural. So what he is in his essence, we participate in by his favor, by grace. You follow that? 
So we are something new. Something new happens when we're baptized. Something new happens when we're confirmed. Something new happened to me when I was ordained a priest. Something new happened this morning when we received Holy Communion. That was a new infusion of divine life. Every time we pray, we pray that litany, I could feel it. I don't know about you, but I could feel the Spirit moving as we prayed. There's something powerful when men... Yeah, yeah. There's something powerful when men gather together and pray. It's powerful. I, I remember, you know, going to the seminary. I got to study at our, our college in Rome for a couple years, the Legionaries College in Rome, Regina Apostolorum, Queen of the Apostles. And at the time, it was packed. We had over 300 guys studying from all around the world. And when, when we would belt out these beautiful, you know, Latin hymns or Italian hymns, it was just amazing the way it would reverberate in the, in the chapel. It was so powerful. And I, I could sense that here this morning. Something really, really important about what you're doing here on a regular basis, getting together and praying like this. This is, this is fantastic. So something new happens every time we pray. We get this infusion of divine life. So the point is that we can keep growing. So when I say there's always more, there's always more grace to be given. God never runs out of it. <laughs> it's eternal. It's, he's got an infinite amount. So we never have to hesitate to ask for more. I've already received and I'm good. No, Lord, no, I, I've just been blessed. I'm good, Lord. I'm good. Yeah. Well, that's kind of selfish in a certain sense because as, as we'll read tomorrow, tomorrow's gospel is the parable, the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents where one guy gets 10 and five and then one, you know, and the guy who gets the one, he just buries it. Oh, I was afraid I was going to lose it. I know you're a demanding guy and, eh, you know, I, I, here it is. Here's your one talent back. And the, it's a parable, right? So the landowner's like, you wicked, lazy servant, you know? Where's my return? You know, where's my, I invested in you. Where, where's the return? So, so God has invested in us, so to speak. His love, his mercy, but his gifts too. And he wants us to steward them well. There's a, there's a principle in Catholic social doctrine. It's called the universal destination of material goods. The universal destination of material goods. But I would add to that even some spiritual goods. I mean, certainly some spiritual goods are, are for the individual. Absolutely. But all of the blessings that we receive, material blessings that we receive, that all comes from God, but it's meant to be shared. Not in a communistic kind of way, but it's meant to be stewarded in such a way that it helps to build the kingdom of Christ. And although we're never going to have paradise this side of heaven, we are called by God to, to engage, to collaborate with him, to build the kingdom of Christ. That's a big thing for, me, for us legionaries. I went into... But, you know, regnum Christi, what does that mean? It means the kingdom of Christ. The reign, regnum, the reign or the kingdom of Christ. 
So that's a big thing for us. When we were in the seminary, they used to wake us up. Christ our king, thy kingdom come. You know, and then you try to get out of bed at some ungodly hour, you know. So Christ our king, thy kingdom come. So we're all meant, we're all called to collaborate, collaborate, to work with God in the building up of his kingdom. And that'll look different for every one of us. But nevertheless, we're all called to that. And, and God is counting on us. It's a, you know, I don't have to tell anybody here. We live in a very weird, weird world, right? And it's changed so quickly. Last, uh, not this past week, but the week before last, I got to preach uh, to diocesan priests from Detroit. Great experience for me. I, I had never preached a whole week-long retreat to priests let alone priests who were ordained before I was born. So uh, it was very humbling to get up there before, not, 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 they, not that they were all you know, that old, but a number of them were, probably more than half the group. And they were so gracious and uh, so affirming. And I just thought, wow, you know, brothers, I just call them brothers, right? Brothers, just, just imagine just for a second here, the opening night, like all of the years of priesthood represented in the room here. There were about 22 priests on retreat. Some of them priests for over 50 years. So just imagine, you know, how you have touched, you know, the lives of all of your, you know, parishioners for, for decades, literally for decades now. Well, I can say that to this room too, you know, just the years of, of, of faith and, and family that you've lived as we, as we read and reflected on today in the psalm, remember the, the marvels the Lord has done. But you know what? God, God needs us you know, to step it up, you might say. I feel like there have been more graces given to the church. In a particular way, you might point to the Catholic charismatic renewal. The renewal, so the Spirit was always there, but it was getting renewed even at the turn of the, the 20th century. Pope Leo XIII in the late 1800s was being written to by this uh, Italian nun, Elena Guerra. She's now beatified, thanks to Pope Francis. And she was encouraging Pope Leo to consecrate the 20th century to the Holy Spirit. And he did it. There's a great 10-minute video I could share the link with you. It's a, a history of the Catholic charismatic renewal. But then it really didn't, it didn't catch it didn't catch in the Catholic Church. Don't know why, but it didn't catch. The, the fire didn't catch. But you know where it did catch? In the Protestant Church in Topeka, Kansas. Of all places, it happened in the States in Topeka, Kansas. And that was, you might say, the birthplace of the Pentecostal movement at the turn of last century. And then from there, it jumped to Los Angeles and, and Azusa Street. They had this little church on Azusa Street, creative miracles all over the place. The, the glory cloud of the Lord, I, I can't, in Hebrew it's like the Shekinah or something like that. But this glory cloud would descend upon this little church in L.A. And creative miracles would happen all the time. They weren't Catholic. They weren't going to Holy Communion. right? They weren't praying to the Blessed Virgin Mary. But the Holy Spirit was working. <laughs> you know, See, God's Spirit will not be stifled. I think there's a kind of desperation on some level that we sense 
But that's already been going on. And now it's catching up to us, you might say. It's finally catching up to us and, it, and fast. You know, I, I was looking at these priests. This was my point. These priests who have been priests for 50 years or more, the changes they've seen, they were all ordained before the council finished. So they had to know the old rite, and now they know the, you know, the new rite, but just, you know. One priest admitted to his father, half my class left to get married. And I myself was thinking about leaving my, you know, Lord, should I leave? He said he had a pillar of light appear next to him <laughs> in his prayer. And basically telling him, I mean, you could leave, but it's probably, you know, good idea to stay, you know. <laughs> the Lord told him what he needed to hear, you know. But they've been through so much. The church has been through so much. You've all been through so I, I mean, I don't honor, I, I, I don't envy teenagers today at all or young parents. Wow, you know. So, so the Lord, though, is, is ready and willing to give more. So we, we shouldn't stand back hopeless, like, oh, my gosh, what can I do, you know? But rather, I think we should be invigorated. I'm, I'm more invigorated than ever. You know, when I wake up in the morning, Father Patrick Gagno gave me this little, you know, pious habit of his, but he, he says, I, I quote from Luke's gospel where Jesus stands there in the synagogue reading from the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim a year of the Lord's favor. So I, I repeat that now every morning, but put it before I put my feet on the floor. I've got it memorized now, obviously. So I say that, I pray that little verse before I put my feet on the floor. And I've got this conviction that something really good's gonna happen today. Like God is going to use me to heal somebody, to bless somebody, to encourage somebody. But I mean, so I know the enemy, when I get out of bed, he's like, oh, dang it, he got out of bed, shoot, you know? I gotta fight with this one all day long now, right? So, like, that should be our mentality, right? That's a more manly mentality. We shouldn't be complaining. I hate it when men complain, right? It's like, it doesn't do any good, right? It doesn't do any good. And we probably have nothing, you know, to do with whatever we're complaining about anyway, right? We have no control over it. But what do we have control over, right? How we respond every day, how we get up every day and, and go to battle, because it is a daily battle, no doubt. And you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be a saint to, to, to be in the fight. You know, look who Jesus called in the first place. And they all failed him miserably, right? Even after they were ordained priests. When he needed him most, his best friends failed big time. But that didn't disqualify them. Right, so I've had to go through my own journey. If you know anything about the Legion, you know that we, we had our issues, you know? And I could have looked at God and I could have said, all right, when you called me to the Legion, when I joined in 1994, our founder was already a criminal. He had already committed crimes against children and against adults. And yet you still called me to the Legion. What were you thinking, God? You know? Well... 
we were born for such a time as this, right? I believe that he called me there to, to stay there, to help bring about renewal. Because in a sense, what happened in the Legion is just a microcosm of what's going on in the church and in the world at large, right? We've all got issues. <laughs> We've all got issues. But we can face those issues and we can go through them. We can go through them. I like how Sister Miriam James Hydland says it. If you've never heard her, she's wonderful. Uh, the Abiding Together podcast. She travels with Dr. Bob Schutz. She played Division I volleyball. She's a wonderful sister in her 40s today. And she'll say it all the time. You know, there's only one way. There's only one way to get healed. There's only one way to grow in the spirit. And that's just to go through it. Just to go through it. There's no going around. There's no going around it. We got to face it. And I think looking back on my, my football career, you know, playing football was really good for me. I had a, in fact, my high school coach was a Michigander. I played high school football in Milwaukee, but my coach was towards the end of his career. He was a Michigander. He was a World War II vet and he was tough as nails, you know. He was awesome though. We loved him. And I, God used him in my life to, I believe, to really kind of draw me to the priesthood. Because when I went off to Ripon College, then I was thinking to myself, oh, I want to be a teacher and a coach like, like Coach Richmond. What, a, what an awesome life he's lived. Because he was a teacher, he was a coach, coached multiple sports for, for decades. I'm like, wow, what a, what a beautiful life to have lived. And so it was my sophomore year at college, second semester in Lent, when I was in my dorm room one night, just thinking about my plans to teach and coach, get married, have a family. And all of a sudden, this thought came to me. <laughs> ah, if I were a priest, then it would be my duty to teach the, church, uh, teach the truth and help kids all the time. Ah, maybe I should be a priest. I was like... Where did that come from? <laughs> Who said that? Because I like to say, if you would have looked at the decor around my dorm room, nothing would have led you to believe that I might become a priest someday, right? Nothing, right? I was a DJ. And so I can remember as I had this conversion, you know, we had CDs back then, right? So I'm looking at my C, I had a pretty big CD rack for a college kid, almost 100 CDs. And I'm looking at some of these CDs, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if anybody should really listen to that. Because I, I started giving CDs away. I was you know, doing the St. Francis thing. I was getting rid of all my possessions to join religious life, right? And so I'm holding this CD in my hand, I'm like, throw it away. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't think anyone should really listen to that. So it's a process, right? It's a process. And it's a lifelong process of, of growth, of healing, maturity, but that's the abundant life that Jesus talks about. That's the abundant life, the life in the spirit. It's this new life that we've received. But it's like, you know, you've got this huge engine under the hood and, you know, you, you stay in first gear. I'm a car guy, too. My dad had a couple of Corvettes growing up and. I love to borrow fast cars. If anyone has one, I'll happily drive it and bless it for you. I went to driving school too. I didn't put that in there, but for my high school graduation, uh, one of the gifts my, my mom and dad got me was an afternoon at Skip Barber Racing School. So I'm qualified, I'm qualified. 
so I do like to drive fast. And so when I'm behind a Corvette that's going really slow, I'm like, really? Like, Lord, can I have that car and they can have my cruise or something, you know? It's, I joke it's the surest sign of my evangelical vow of poverty that I'm driving a Chevy Cruze, you know? So, but God has something really special waiting for me in heaven. I can't wait. The hot rod he's got waiting for me in heaven. So there's this newness, this newness that God invites us to live. And like I said, there's just no limit to it. There's no limit to it. But that is a, uh, a danger. We tend to put ourselves in a box. And then we put other people in a box. We can even then put God in a box. And God doesn't want to be in a box, that's for sure. And he doesn't want you to be in a box. What's another way of saying that? We label ourselves and we label each other. I, I, I'm a conservative Catholic. I don't do that Holy Spirit thing, you know. Well, look at Mary Healy. That's what I love about Mary Healy, too. She's a little petite little thing with her beady glasses. And all of a sudden, she'll just say, in Jesus' name, be healed. And you're healed, you know. It's like, and she's like, hee, <laughs> So, you know, we shouldn't stereotype, right? Again, charismaniacs, I know, right? So it doesn't mean you have to put your hands up in the air and whatever, fall over, slain in the spirit or anything like that. But it means believing what Jesus said is true, right? That you've received this power, this divine power. And you have been introduced into a new order of reality. A new order of reality. A supernatural reality. A supernatural order. Maybe you've never really thought about it that way, right? But... We live in the world, the natural world, but there's all kinds of stuff going on that is supernatural. And it takes faith to see that. It takes faith to see that. And I quoted it last night, but I'll quote it, I'll quote it right now because I have it right here in front of me. Number 142 in the Catechism speaks about the importance of faith. Here it is. By his revelation, the invisible God from the fullness of his love addresses men as his friends. So he addresses all of you as his friends and moves among them in order to invite and receive them into his own company. Well, not just company, like not just to hang out, but to actually do the work with him. What's the adequate response to this invitation? The adequate response to this invitation is faith. Faith. Faith, right? But we, we can take it for granted. It's a theological virtue. We received it at our baptism. Yes, I believe in God. Every Sunday I pray the creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. But it's more than that. It's more than that. It's a trust. It's a surrender. It's a giving. Because God, if you haven't ever heard this, Christianity, Judaism and Christianity are, are religions of revelation. So God has revealed himself in history, in time. 
God has acted in a sovereign way. That first reading today, as I said, I was kind of surprised by it. It recalls one of God's greatest sovereign acts ever, where he liberates his people from slavery in Egypt, and and they cross the Red Sea. And then the sea closes in on the Egyptian army, and they're all wiped out. That's, that's pretty cool if you think about it, right? Like, that's amazing. So we'll come back to you. So for the, for the Jews, God acted in a very concrete way, but they still had to make acts of faith. And you could see it didn't take long for them to forget how God had saved them. You might think, wow, I would never forget that. It didn't take long, right? Before Aaron collected their gold and they made a molten calf. And Moses comes down the, the mountain with Joshua. Joshua's like, what's that, Moses? Uh, you know, revelry. You know, it was a big orgy. That's what it was. It was a big orgy. I mean, we don't write that in the Bible, but that's what it was. <laughs> right? A big orgy in the desert in front of a golden calf. That sounds like 2023 to me. Right? Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. We just do it on the internet now. It's all the same. Right? It's all the same. Right? We don't go to the desert. We can just hang out in our chair and do it. So it's all the same. Right? So we have to believe. You know, use it or lose it. Well, that's your faith too. Right? Use it or lose it. We got to make acts of faith constantly. So we, be, so we can be more connected to the Lord so that we can live this new life. This new life is not reduced to morality. I think that's another big problem that the 50s and 60s, the whole Baltimore catechism thing, it, it tended to reduce our faith to morality. And you know what? Only one-fourth of this catechism is dedicated to morality. But unfortunately, I think we, we tend to get obsessed with the morality, especially in our country. We have this Puritan, you know, foundation. The Puritans come over. That's where we get the word puritanical, right? So many, it's kind of ingrained in our country, this outlook on God that is puritanical and reduced to morality and behavior alone. Can I flip that paradigm on its head for you real quick? I know it's 10 o'clock, but we'll get to questions in a second. Write this down if you've got notes or take it down. We, we all basically grew up with this paradigm, right? That you have to first behave well. You got to behave well and believe what I tell you because I said so, right? Did you ever hear that? Why? Because I said so. Okay, right? So that, and what were we threatened with? Well, if you don't behave and if you don't believe what I tell you to, you're not going to belong. You're going to be grounded. Right? Or you're off the team or whatever, right? Anyone ever hear that before? Right? Yeah, especially in the Catholic Church. God forgive us, right? That's the paradigm I think most of us grew up with. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. That's not good news. I never jumped up and down about that. I don't know about you. I never was jumping up and down about that paradigm. So what's the, let's turn it upside down now. What is the gospel? 
What did Jesus do? He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Here I am. I've come to save you. You're my sons and daughters, my brothers and sisters. I've come to save you. I'm a loving God. I'm a merciful God. Yeah, I'm a, I'm an, I'm a just judge. But I want to save you. I want to heal you. My name is Jesus, which means that I will save you from your sins. I'm a divine physician. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. I am the way and the truth and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's what he, he said that we belong. And then what does he ask us to do after that revelation? To believe Right? And then what is it? I don't, this isn't the Bible, right? But John 14, those who believe will do the works of God. You'll do the works that I did and even greater ones. He said that at the Last Supper. Those who believe, those who belong and believe in me will do the works that I do and even greater ones. When's the last time you did a greater work than Jesus did? Yeah. It's in the Bible. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. But that's a paradigm shift that I think can help break open the doors. Because otherwise we get hung up. Oh, man, I fell again. I did it again. I didn't behave well. Now I really don't belong. And oh my gosh, I couldn't pray for healing today. I'm not in the state of grace. Where's that in the catechism? You know? We get, you know, so obsessed with the morality of it all. I don't, it's important. Don't get me wrong, right? But it, it holds us back. It holds us back because the accuser is there wagging his finger in your face. Ah, yeah, you're lousy. Who do you think you are? Shame on you. Who do you think, you know, you, you couldn't pray for healing for anybody. You couldn't preach the gospel you couldn't lead a mission. You couldn't lead a men's group. Who do you think you are? Just sit in your living room and watch the, you know, Green Bay Packers or something, you know? I'm a Packer fan. That, that's, I know you're all sitting there like, wow, holy cow, I never thought of that. Yeah, think about that one, yeah. So the, the, the good news is that we belong and he asks us to believe in response to his revelation that we do belong. So we believe it. And as we believe it, the spirit comes. As we believe it, the spirit comes and fills us. And then we're able to do the works of God. Then we're able to behave. Then you'll be, you know, obedient and you'll be kind and merciful and chaste and peaceful and generous bold, courageous. That's not something you can just will to happen. You can't white knuckle that. But I think a lot of us grew up, just try harder. Oh, next time I'm going to try harder. I'm just, I'm going to make a better resolution and I'm going to pray harder and I'm going to do harder and, and I'll do better than, and that, did that ever work for anybody? It just doesn't work. Why? Because we're relying on ourselves. We're relying on ourselves to try harder. It's not about trying harder. It's about trusting more and believing more. Then it happens. And that's the change that's happened in my life. Because for 
for the first 17 years of my priesthood, I was just trying harder and praying harder and making a better resolution and useless, pretty much useless. I've seen exponential growth in the last two years and even in the last, you know, six, eight months when you turn that paradigm on its head. Amen? Amen. Okay. Let's take questions.